This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women and addiction. Welcome back to the Worth Recovery Podcast, a podcast featuring women in sex addiction. I'm Amy. I'm your host here, and I'm the founder also of Worth Recovery. I'm a sex addict, and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. This is episode 56 of the Worth Recovery Podcast, and it's the beginning of an interview series with Stacy Sprout. I was really fortunate when I was in Seattle in about a, m- a little bit over a month ago to do our first Worth Recovery event, Engaged in the Struggle. Um, I was really fortunate to meet with Stacy and to spend some time with her. She came and supported our event and then also took some time to do an interview with me about her book. She has a book published called Naked in Public, a memoir of recovery from sex addiction and other temporary insanities by Stacy Sprout. It's available on Amazon and a variety of other places that you can find. Stacy's story is amazing. I'm just going to read really quickly the back Um, It's just like a paragraph, the back cover. In this intensely personal memoir, Stacey Sprout offers a vulnerable account of her recovery journey from the painful world of sexual intrigue and addiction. An honor student and cheerleader and later a talented young social worker, Stacey's life had a dark twist even her closest friends didn't suspect. Childhood sexual abuse and exposure to pornography had ignited a drive to be sexual that eventually threatened to unravel her sanity and her life. Desperate for relief, she tried psychotherapy, hypnotism, bodywork, and traditional and pagan spirituality. Nothing helped until a near-death experience became a turning point, leading her into 12-step recovery for sex addiction. Stacy's story reveals what can happen when a woman refuses to give up in her fight for dignity and freedom. The wisdom that emerges will be both a roadmap and inspiration for anyone, male or female, who struggles with sex addiction and to their loved ones. I've read the book and was incredibly moved by so many different experiences that she shares, some similar to mine, some drastically different, but yet relatable in my own recovery journey and the things that I've gone through. I'm super excited to be bringing this series to you. We'll have three different episodes. Stacy and I talked for hours and I wish I could have just kept talking with her. I had enjoyed my time so much. And so we've created three episodes about our interview together. Now, before we jump right into this interview, of course, I want to just take a few minutes to announce a few things. Uh, Just really quickly, a big shout out to our Worth Warriors. It's because of you, our Worth Warriors, that this podcast continues to remain free for women throughout the world. There are so many women throughout the world stuck in addiction. They reach out to a recovery world dominated by men and they feel alone. It's unacceptable to me. Whenever a woman reaches out in addiction, particularly sex addiction, it is my mission and goal that a woman's voice and a woman's hand be able to reach back to her. There are millions of us, millions of us women out there in addiction who are trying to change their lives and find recovery. This podcast is a big step forward for women to be able to provide support 
for women, by women. Our Worth Warriors make that possible. It's your small monthly contributions that make this podcast free, that help it to stay free, and their support provides the voice in the hand of another woman for all women in addiction. You can be a member of the Worth Warriors. For as little as $4 a month, that's less than 50 cents an episode, you can join the Worth Warriors and support women in addiction throughout the world. Get on the website and join the Worth Warriors. Also, we have coming up in January, our next Worth Recovery event. This event will be on January 21st, 2017 in the Salt Lake City area. And I am thrilled to be able to bring this to the Salt Lake City area, which is my current location and currently where I'm in recovery. You've heard our lineup. All the information is on the website, worthrecovery.com. Get on the website. You can get registered and find out more information. I'm really, really excited about this. Now, I want to be able to start this interview today with Stacy and to give you a little bit of more information about who she is and things like that. We'll do that as we go along. Let's get started. I am so grateful to be sitting here today with Stacy Sprout. Stacy is a licensed social worker, a certified sex addiction therapist, owner of Revolution Psychotherapy, and the author of the book Naked in Public, a memoir of recovery and from sex addiction and from other temporary insanities. Thank you so much for being here with me today and spending time. You are welcome. I'm delighted to be here. We're sitting here in Stacy's office, which is in the Seattle, Washington area, just looking at the water, which is so beautiful. I love water. So I was excited to be down here. You know, one of the missions I have with Worth Recovery is to get as many st- women's stories out into the world about sex addiction as possible. And I was really excited that your passion and my passion kind of overlap and I'm so grateful to be with you. Uh, Just a few weeks ago I was, well I guess it's been about six weeks now, I was introduced to your book. I had not even heard about it until we started planning our Worth Recovery event and uh, and this area and someone recommended that you maybe speak and although that quite didn't quite work out I was just really grateful to learn about you and to read your book. And so I just wanted to take an opportunity to talk a little bit about your book. Our experiences in recovery have been so drastically different. (laughs) And so I'm grateful to have different stories and different opportunities um, to talk to different people. Mm -hmm. So first, what compelled you? What compelled you to write your story of sex addiction and recovery? Well, the word compel is interesting as a recovering compulsive person <laughs> because there's sometimes a True. fine line between a compulsion and, and feeling called or compelled, like there's something mm-hmm. in you where you just have to do this thing. And I did feel compelled to write this book, and it wouldn't go away. I used to tell people I was going to write a book someday, and so I would name some inspirations. Uh, one was my high school English teacher who I used to write essays for him, and he said I should become a writer, and Mr. Costello. (laughs) One time I ran into him, I was at the University of Washington, and I was studying to be a social worker, which is what I got my degree in, and I just ran into him, and he said, well, what are you doing? I haven't seen you in a long time, and I said, oh, I'm getting my master's of social work, and I thought he would be proud of me, and he goes, oh, no, no, you're supposed to be a writer. by that Um, so he was an early (laughs) encourager and uh, but I had a couple what I would call I call them authentic uh, inspirational experiences because Mm -hmm. there's so many religious buzzwords out there that work for some and not for others but a lot of people they have a sense if they're inspired by something or they're moved by something and so I've had a couple experiences like that Um, 
one of which I wrote about in my book, uh, and another I've talked about before or written about, but the one that's in my book is about a teacher that I had, Patrick Harnes, mm-hmm. who is looked on by many as a founder of the sexual recovery movement or the sexual addiction concept, certainly. He wrote his thesis called The Sexual Addiction, mm-hmm. and that became a book later titled Out of the Shadows, and that was a pinnacle book for many people in other eyes opening that there's such a thing as sexual addiction and what is it yeah it was it was pivotal to my recovery okay so there you go for sure yeah and I hear that from many so he uh I went to get training from him to become a certified sex addiction therapist after years in my own recovery and the very first time I asked him a question he he said to me if you want to help people as a therapist tell them your story and it was somewhat controversial because the idea of telling my story about sex addiction while I was a therapist was pretty vulnerable and potentially quite risky and maybe even you know ethical questions and so I've had to work through all of those questions but his encouragement to tell my story um, and he was one of the only people out there doing any kind of work around Mm -hmm. what's it like for men or women that experience and you know, just some other things along the way, but I would say it just was this voice inside or this encouragement inside, like, you have to get this out, and if I had some ability to write, and I didn't die, because I was quite suicidal, you know, why why did I live? And so I thought, well, maybe it's because I can do something meaningful with all of this difficulty, and write about it in a way that might be easier for people to take in, um, because it's, difficult to learn about sex addiction and sometimes learning at least through stories at first can start to oh yeah make some sense it's it can be a little bit more people can metabolize it better in the form of a story so Mm -hmm. those those are some key reasons I'd say yeah that's great I know when I first entered recovery one of my very first meetings it was just me and another woman that Mm -hmm. was it wow and she started we read a little bit from our recovery literature and then she just started telling me her experience Mm -hmm. and though I had gone to a cup maybe one or two therapy sessions Mm -hmm. and had and had started to read out of the shadows Mm -hmm. listening to her story and understanding where she had came from Mm -hmm. was the most impactful thing that could have happened for me Mm -hmm. early on Mm -hmm. because I was able to see myself in so many different uh, situations that she was in Mm -hmm. and really realized that this this really was where I belonged. Though I had that kind of core feeling like this is my problem, mm-hmm. having that kind of listening to another woman's story mm-hmm. and understanding that helped to solidify that in my head. And I felt the same way about reading your book. Reading your stories mm-hmm. and and understanding where you were, mm-hmm. so many of that those key piece, key pieces fell into place for me again that this is this is my story. Mm-hmm. This is who I am. And isn't it interesting how even if the experiences aren't the same, some of the qualities of the story uh, right. can can be a match. I found that also in listening to other people's stories. I, I might say, well, I didn't do that or I didn't have that happen, but I still related to some of those feelings that I heard her talking about mm-hmm. uh, or, or some of the, the ways that the reactions happened for me were very similar. So, yeah, yeah. the story is kind of universally uniting I think as for humans and so sharing the tough stories uh, along the way to some of the relief Mm -hmm. uh, is it can be just a great way to carry the message that hope is absolutely possible yeah Yeah. 
So how long did it take you? How long? I mean, you've probably written a first step before, right? I mean, you'd kind of touched a little bit on your story previously, but how long did it take you to write this from beginning to end? Well, I would say I dreamed about it for 10 years. So it wasn't just being encouraged by Patrick Crons. I mean, there was something in me where I felt like I had a book to write, um, but I didn't know quite what it what it was. And I did, on my book launch, I told the like the whole history of kind of the story and all the steps. And so if anyone's interested in writing a recovery memoir, I would say, and I don't mean this to be too much of an advertisement, no, but totally go, to, fine. go to my Facebook page, Stacey.Sprout, I think on Facebook. It's my author page. And the very first, I put on very first thing is the video of the book launch. You can watch it on Vimeo because I want to encourage other people, recovering people, people who've been through, through adversity to write their stories. And so I talked about the different steps to getting to mine, but the summary version is I dreamed of it for a decade, thought I could never do it. I started many times trying something, taking action steps, like mm-hmm. I went to a writing coach one time, or I went to, I took a writer's class, and then I quit. So I quit many times, and it wasn't until 2000. 12 that I got serious about writing and part of that was I fell in love and I felt safe in that relationship and I was I was really inspired by the relationship and he was kind of my muse he was a published author and so Mm -hmm. he encouraged me uh, but he also just the joy that I experienced in that relationship and, and the passion, I would say, was a big part of having enough left over to go to some of the darker places that I had to go to, to, to do justice to the story. So yeah. it, it finally, I finally had enough safety in my life and resources. You know, I needed to save money. I hired a writing coach. And so when early on in my recovery, I was absolutely poor. I was on welfare. I, I you know, I wasn't so making it. So many women yeah. experience, I mean, not probably not just men, women, but so many experience that early on being poor. Yes, many recovery. do. Yeah. Although I will say that I see it especially in women. I, yeah. yeah. I will link to on the on our website, worthrecovery.com, we'll link to your video okay. so that you can, uh, listeners can go right there and just click on the link and get to it. I've watched it. So yeah, it's really inspiring to just look at the different steps and how long and the launch and the whole thing was really, really inspiring. So I encourage you to watch it. It'll be awesome. Thank you. But yeah. to summarize, from the time I hired my writing coach and got serious about writing, which is, was in 2012, uh-huh. and then I probably took about eight or nine months off between 2012 to publication, which is in 2015. So it was a good, you know, two and a half years of real solid work to get it out and mm-hmm. with some breaks in between there. Yeah. I know, like, the first time I published my very first podcast and told a little bit of my story, I didn't, not even close to the detail you went through, but just a little bit of my story and things like that, for weeks, I would say, I had this, like, vulnerability hangover, I might call it, right, where I just thought, anybody, I don't have control of my own story anymore. Anybody in the world could <laughs> listen to my podcast and know a little bit about who I am. And I, I, every day I toyed with taking it down. I mm. thought, oh my gosh, mm. like, what have I done? Take it down. Like, mm. just do it now. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. You know? <laughs> and so I had to kind of work through that. Did you have a process like that when you first launched your book? Were you, were you scared? How, how did it go for you? What mm. was, what was that process like? Great question. Uh, two answers. So the first answer is I had a lot of those kinds of thoughts while I was writing the book. My writing coach helped me so much because he said, 
There's two books in you, Stacy, and the first book is the book you're writing for yourself. So let that book be about everything that you need to share. And then when you're done with that book, which will be a draft, then you're going to be ready to revise it into the book that you're going to publish. So separating out those two during the writing process was so important for me because otherwise I would be editing as I went and I would maybe take out things that should have been left in. Mm -hmm. And then I had a safeguard because in my editing process, I had some core people in my recovery plus my husband who loved me and they had good judgment and they were uh, survivors of abuse also. So I knew they understood that part of the story because that was some of the most vulnerable stuff was the, the abuse that had happened to me. And I ended up taking out a fair amount of that detail. So much so that I got a criticism about it from one of my readers, but mm. always trying to find balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so during the book and during the editing process, I, I put a lot more in and then I had help to decide what to take out. So I felt a lot safer at the time of publication because I'd really deliberated those details carefully with people mm-hmm. I trusted. And some of it we fought about. You know, there was one part of it, I'm like, no, this has to be in there. But it was fascinating because one day I had four readers. I had about six beta readers at the time really read it in detail and gave me feedback. But four out of six in one day gave me the same feedback about mm. the section I had to take out. And so I listened. You know, I've learned enough in recovery about humility. Right. And that, you know, the balance is when you're the artist, you're like, no, I have to have my art to be true. And that's true to a point. But it's also about... Um, personal safety and emotional safety like you're talking about so I heard that term from Brene Brown uh, mm-hmm. the vulnerability hangover mm-hmm. and me too. how if you sh- okay I was curious so if you share too much it's like a spotlight like right in your face you're like ow too bright you know and I would say that this book is is a spotlight for many people it's a lot of vulnerability and it's by design and so the reason that I did that was in part because sex addiction almost killed me. And so it was about something bigger, like, okay, and I'm, maybe I'm repeating myself because I kind of said that earlier, but why did I live? And um, remember that, you know, remember that I lived um, maybe one of the reasons to help other people not die too. And so let's get the story out there. And, but I would forget that a lot. And then I would get into this feeling of what have I done? Um, I did have a hangover. I, I had a kind of a like a one-week hangover after the f- the book launch, and then I've been in a six-month hangover. Which yeah, I'm you know, am I all the way out of it? I'm not sure. Like I really slowed down. I did a couple of public speaking events, and I just I was so exhausted, and the just the feeling of kind of I've got no skin on uh, yeah. was really strong, and so I had to pull way back. I'm, I'm kind of gearing up more for that now. I feel like I've just had to replenish, rejuvenate, re, um, rebuild some of that strength that I poured into the book. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, but what's also helped so, so much with this is people like you that I've met because of the book. Um, there's another lovely woman, Jace Downey. I don't know, you know, if mm-hmm. you, but her work and I mean, it's, and feeling a part of something larger, this mm-hmm. movement to educate the public about sex addiction, particularly for women, and teach people that what they're going through is not unique. There's millions of people going through it. They're not alone, and there is help. And and feeling like there's a spiritual synchronicity or an inspired synchronicity to this process. So here's an example where Jace, 
she was talking about her work, she came out as a female sex addict, mm -hmm. and she created a video, and her video was titled Naked in Public, her very first one. And wow. that was the title of my book. And I'd never heard of her video, and she'd never heard of my book, but here we are, two women speaking out publicly about our sex addiction recovery with the same title. And you can say, oh, that's whatever, you know, Naked in Public, it's an evocative title, and you're, but really, I think for both of us, it was about being emotionally vulnerable in public. And, and what happens when we do that as women, mm -hmm. when we, instead of trying to lead with our sexuality and lead with uh, seductiveness, we lead with our vulnerability and in some ways our weakness, but not from a place of victim, actually from a place of strength. Like this is what I went through and this is how I dealt with it. And no, I don't have it all figured out, but I think there's hope for me and for you. Like that, that to me becomes very powerful. Instead of feeling powerless, it feel, I feel like, yeah, there's power in that. It's bigger than me, but I want to be a part of that conversation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So in writing your story, I mean, you've throughout you've worked the 12 steps. You've gone through a recovery process by the time you're writing this. Mm -hmm. And so you've written pieces of your story, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you wrote a first step. You wrote mm -hmm. a fourth step inventory a couple different times, mm -hmm. we learn, in your book and mm -hmm. different things. So what were two, maybe one or two big learning experiences for you this time around? I know that the more that I've shared my story, mm -hmm. the more connections I make in my own head about my own life, uh -huh. my own recovery, mm -hmm. my own experiences. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you? Were you able to connect some new things together? Maybe one or two big connections that you were able to make in this time around? Mm -hmm. Thank you, that's a great question. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind that I was surprised by in writing this story was how painful my 20s were. You know, there's this kind of, I think of this, this stereotype of 20s as the, you know, your wild times. You know, maybe you go to college or maybe you don't, but you can drink legally and you can go out and have fun, party girl. You know, there's these images of what being in your 20s is like as a woman. Mm -hmm. And I still had some of that in my head. I knew it got bad later. You know, when I got into the pornography and I was doing things that were, you know, really against my values, I knew that that was a problem. But in my 20s, I was like, well, a lot of people are promiscuous and, you know, it's not like we're married. You know, I had these these things I thought about, about what it meant to be in my 20s mm -hmm. that made it okay what I was doing. And when I went to therapy and I was doing my trauma healing work, I was looking at the more obvious traumas. So sexual abuse, emotional abuse, alcoholic family, those things. But it wasn't until I was writing and trying to come up with how to articulate what actually happened in my 20s that I realized how horrible that time was for me. And there was no cultural envelope for really what was happening there because I was a sorority co-ed, you know? I mean, yeah. I had a convertible. Like, it was like I fit this stereotype of advertising or something about what it was supposed to look like. I mean, by design, I was always trying to belong in some way. But the emotional suffering that was present in my 20s really surprised me. And I had to deal with that uh, in my book and work on it in therapy and in my healing process. And, mm -hmm. um, and so that was one of the surprises. And it made me feel very compassionate for women in their 20-somethings. Mm -hmm. uh, if they're like I was they're thinking, wow, I've got it made. I'm doing this wild 20s thing. Right, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing yes. at 20, right? Yes. This is what it's supposed to be like. Yes, and this is, and, and yet the, the disconnection between what, for me, I was doing and how I was feeling inside and then, then just numbing it 
numbing it, numbing it. So, you know, constantly numbing it. That, that surprised me. So that was one. The other thing that was the most surprising to me was actually how much unresolved shame I had because I had done so much work, I thought, in therapy and 12-step. I'd done four steps. I'd done eight and nine steps. Like, I really felt like I had done a lot of clearing work. But it wasn't until I started writing some of the experiences that I hadn't really written about, because why would you? They didn't necessarily go into a... It, it just didn't occur to me that they would be as significant as they were, that I realized the shame, the guilt that I carried... Um, for things that really were not mine to carry. It's like the ones that I knew I had done wrong to hurt people that I'd worked on, but the things that had happened to me that I was still carrying shame for, I thought I'd work through, or it was just a new angle on something. Where that came to light was in the editing process, where I had people reading the book and saying, I think you're being too hard on yourself here. And I mean, I still get that feedback, you know, Stacy, mm-hmm. you're pretty hard on yourself in this book. Um, I think we, in recovery as addicts, you know, we have to be really rigorous, I think, in our program because we've hurt people. And so it's about not doing that anymore. And what does that look like? And But always trying to balance that with compassion for understanding why I did that and, and why I might have been set up by my experiences to make those choices or have those judgment errors or... So that was the other thing that surprised me was how much guilt or shame I still carried and how healing it was to have my readers and editors say, you know, wow, give yourself some grace here because I couldn't see it until I read the writing or they read the writing Mm -hmm. and they read it back because language reveals so much about how you're feeling. And that was a fascinating part of the editing process is when I when I would get stuck on a sentence, like I couldn't write it very clearly, it was usually because I had some kind of emotion in there. And so the editing would say, could you rewrite this sentence? And I'd rewrite it and then I'd cry because I'd realize, oh, there was pain in there. And that's why, I, like maybe I was trying to sound like a fancy writer or something and it wasn't right. coming out very clearly. And when I got just clearly, just clearly say what you want to say, then it would become more real to me and I would grieve. So those were things that I wrestled with in the writing process and the editing process. They, but those are things I would say that really helped me relate to the book, um, was in, influential and impactful for me. Listening to you, your experience in your 20s particularly, mm-hmm. like, you know, being at college and being a virgin, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, but that was my experience, mm-hmm. and I know many others that had similar you know, experiences and were shamed for that. Yes. I mean, just the oh. amount of shame that came from mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But then also... I also relate to the whole idea of being too hard on ourselves, giving ourselves some grace, um, understanding that. But then reading through your book, I I also realized that there's, I have some trauma too that I need to work through, you know, just like that there's more shame that I, that I'm carrying that I don't need to be carrying or, you know, more work that, that needs to be done there. So thank you for having the courage to do that because that helps me to realize, oh, I, there's more here that I can work on as well, mm. more that I can change. That was really, really helpful for me. You are welcome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That yeah. makes me feel grateful. I mean, it's one thing to write a book and put it out there and hope something happens useful, but it's another thing to sit here and talk with you and hear you say that. So I do appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, I hope that's enough to just kind of get you started and maybe wet your whistle a little bit for more. We have two more episodes with Stacy where we're going to discuss more of the details of her book and also her current work as a therapist. I was really, really grateful for the opportunity to read the book. I am a firm believer that every time I share my story, I heal a little bit more. And I know that that's true. I felt it every single time I've done it. I also know that every time I hear someone else's story, I also heal just a little bit more. And I have felt that every time I have participated in listening to someone else share their story, I have healed a little bit more. And that was my experience with reading Stacy's book. She cautioned me at the beginning and said, you know, read it at your own pace. Make sure you put it down when you need to put it down. And and I did. There was, I read, I read and read and read. And then there was a piece that was really triggering for me. And I had to put it down for a few weeks and kind of think about it. Think about how it related to my own story and work on my own stuff. Work on the my own stuff that came up. And then as I worked through that, I was able to pick it back up and finish it. And I'm just really grateful for her courage in putting herself out there and putting her experience out there so that all of us can learn from it. So I'm excited to bring you two more episodes, again, where we talk about more of the details of the book, a little bit more of the content there, and and then a lot of her the work that she's doing now. As always, ladies, I want you to know that no matter where you're at right now, no matter how far you've gone down, no matter how you might feel in this very moment, you are worth recovery, 100% worth it. I know that. If you don't, you can just rely on my knowledge until you do. You can become a Worth Warrior on the website. It's because of those Worth Warriors that this podcast can go free to all of you out there all throughout the world. You can become a Worth Warrior on the website for as little as $4 a month. It's 50 cents an episode. Get on the website, worthrecovery.com, and learn how to make that happen. Also... In the next two episodes, we'll bring you more information about Stacy. A link to her video about her book release is on the website, as well as a link to her book on Amazon. So you can get all that information on the website, worthrecovery.com. Ladies, I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. I hope you have a great day. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.